more on Halo Talks NYC. I have the honor of having Dr. Joel Furman on. He is a board-certified family physician. He is an authority on everything related to nutrition and dietary supplementation and being your best self. So, doctor, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Looking Excellent. forward to it. So, so a native of Yonkers, and, and you've obviously gotten uh, way out of the uh, the five boroughs uh, in your uh, in your lifespan here in your career. So maybe just as a primer to give our uh, listeners uh, a little background on how you started in in the industry and 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 where you are today as a you know one of the leading voices on getting us to a uh, healthier America. Well. Um I went to college. I was on the world figure skating team. I was third in the world in pair skating with my sister. Amazing. So I was into nutrition and health back then when I um, lost, when I left the amateur competitive network. I thought about what to do with the rest of my life. My father had a chain of 10 shoe stores in New York City. But I really wasn't passionate about that as I was about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I eventually came around to thinking, I want to go back to medical school to really specialize in nutritional excellence, to use it therapeutically to help people get well, as an, and not just to take drugs to control symptoms, but to really get people the opportunity to reverse their diseases. So I went to medical school with that specific intent, and it's turned out to be a tremendously rewarding career, and I'm very grateful to have the opportunities I've had to, affect, to have a positive effect on people and to see miraculous health transformations occur with nutritional excellence. Yeah, I, it, it appalls me when I see all of these... Um commercials of all these different pharmaceutical drugs that people are taking and then all the side effects. And it's like, well, if you just eat right and you give yourself time to actually regulate your body, um, you don't need to be dependent on, on these outside chemicals. Right. And I guess most people know today that diabetes and heart disease and even cancer can be prevented. I always say that we've landed the man on the moon already. By that, I mean, we know how to prevent cancer right now. We can wipe Mm -hmm. out more than 95% of all common cancers. That nutritional science has made incredible advances. What they don't know is they don't know that autoimmune diseases like psoriasis and ulcerative colitis and rheumatoid arthritis and lupus can be reversed effectively and predictably with nutrition. And they don't know that one in a hundred Americans were mentally ill a hundred years ago, and today it's one in five Americans, mm. and how it's largely the factor of the modern junk food, processed food diet that's causing all these the violence, the anger, the mental illness, the depression. And we literally have the most sickly and cancer-prone population in the history of the human race. And while that's going on, we have all these answers opened up to us where we can live longer and slow aging and live to be 100 years old without dementia mm-hmm. and great health. So we have like a, a dichotomy of choices out open to us today. So how do you, um, how do you balance in your own mind? All right, we, we have the scientific answers, right? You, you have a mouthpiece. There, there's ways for people to get this information and you're fighting with you know, the, uh, the, the serving size, uh, uh, practitioner who says like that, that the pint of ice cream is four serving sizes and has, you know, 80 grams of sugar or that they're allowed to sell a Mountain Dew that has 66 grams of sugar. You know, how do you kind of think about how do we, how do we change the conversation? You know, maybe it's not with regulate you know, regulating those products, but to, to, to educate people and actually get through to them. Well, the food, you know, I call them frankenfoods, are dramatically addictive. And, mm-hmm. and food addiction is the commercial, or we could say it's socially acceptable and permeates American society. Almost all Americans are overweight and food addicted. So it's a difficult message. And that's where I have, you know, I have my television shows on PBS. Mm-hmm. 
that have raised $35 million for PBS, and, they've and so it means that a lot of people have bought that information, reading books, reading videos that are interested in human nutrition today, and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, that group of physicians, who I was one of the founding members of that organization, has now swelled to have you know, more than 10,000 members. So we're seeing changes occur. It's a slow, it's change, it takes a long time, but I want people to know they have the opportunity. I'm not expecting all Americans to stop eating fast food and change their lives, mm -hmm. but I really want people to know that if they have psoriasis and they have heart disease, they have diabetes, they have, that they know that these diseases are reversible and if they wanted to, they could get well and not have diabetes for the rest. Type 2 diabetes is a reversible condition. Mm -hmm. And remaining and rem staying diabetic is so dangerous and so lifespan destructive the fact that they're not getting informed consent from their physicians. You know, it's okay for me to, for me, with me for a person to smoke cigarettes, but they should know smoke, smoking is not good for them mm -hmm. and that they can, they, there's professional help they could get if they wanted to quit. And it could make for a much better life if they quit. And it's the same with food. If people knew that they didn't have to have high blood pressure, you don't have to have a heart attack. You don't have to be in a nursing home after a stroke. And mm -hmm. we, we can wipe out dementia across America. But people don't know the power of nutrition. They don't even know they have this opportunity. And they're given lies. They go to a doctor to get a drug, like a um, blood pressure lowering medication. Mm -hmm. They're not told the drug doubles your risk of developing breast cancer over 10 years. They're not telling you that lower, lowering your diastolic blood pressure will create irregular, heart, irregular heartbeats and will result in atrial fibrillation. They're not told that, you know, they're, in other words, they're not giving informed consent. And so they're not knowing there's an option that's mm -hmm. better, more effective, more protective. And, I'm, and that's what I'm about, giving people that option. So those people who know, who, who want to get well and don't want to be sick the rest of their lives and want to make a complete recovery and are willing to make the necessary dietary changes, at least can, will get that opportunity and information so they can do so. Is there, is there a place in the world where you'd say, you know, we need to get to where this city is or where this country is or the way these people think? No. Because even the blue zones around the world, we have the most longest of people, the most mm -hmm. centenarians. They still only have less than 10% of their population living past 90 years old. In other words, the blue zones are, live longer than we live. And the, the blue zone in the United States is Loma Linda, California, where the Seventh-day Adventists live. They, mm -hmm. on the average, live about 10 years longer than most Americans. Okay. But I'm saying a nutritarian diet checks off every box of slowing aging and living longer and preventing disease much more effective than a blue zone diet, which just haphazardly happens to be healthier than other areas around them. And instead of living 10 years longer, we can live 20 years longer. We, in other words, we can live to 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Most people, the bell-shaped curve can narrow. We don't have such people stragglers dying at 60 and dying, you know, all over the place where luck and genetics play such a big role. And we can narrow the bell-shaped curve. So even people with weaker genetics can live past 90 and better genetics can live past 100. But what I'm saying right mm -hmm. now is that we have such a unique opportunity and, and right now with nutrition, that it should be reading, writing, arithmetic, and nutritional science taught in grade schools. It's the most critical factors that control our life, our longevity, our happiness, and our health. And the ignorance and confusion of the American population is barbaric and just has to be changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they definitely did not have a nutrition class when I was back in, in Long Island in, in high school. And when we were preparing for a uh, basketball game, it was, a, it was chocolate milk, a meatball hero. 
in uh, French fries. You no, know, people are always saying to me, they're <laughs> terrible. Always, I come on these programs and they always say to me, how come doctors aren't learning more about nutrition? How come they're not turning more in medical school? Why yeah. are they and I say, that's not even the question, the answer. It shouldn't even be the question. Because the time you go to a doctor and you're sick, it's already very late in the, pro the disease sure, process. Sure. We should be learning about nutrition right at the beginning of our education and careers, not waiting for doctors to teach us to it. Teach sure. it to us. So, so talk about what you're doing out in, uh, in, in California with the retreat, because I, I feel like um, you know, a lot of what goes on in the health club industry and the fitness industry is that you got to get someone to change their routine and their habits. And it's typically, um, you know, if I get someone into to working out for, let's say, six weeks, like they're, 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 that's a habit, and then they're going to continue on. So talk about the, the Eat to Live retreat and, and how that's gone. And It's gone fantastic. It's for radical health transformations. In other words, in the American, uh, most people... You know, I can get people to change from reading my books, watching videos, coming to one of my immersion programs, you know, coming to a weekend event or something. Mm -hmm. But there's too high a chance of recidivism because they go back into their environment, of negative environment, of everybody eating junk food around them. When we get people to come for a month or three to the retreat, it's a different because like going to a, a cocaine addiction center where you're staying there without the cocaine tempting you. And people are educated. They're shown about the recipes. They have psychological counseling. They can lose weight and get healthy again and then go home and stay with the program and want to stay with the program. They, they love the food now. They learned how to prepare it. They've adjusted their taste buds. Right. They've dealt with their psychological issues causing emotional overeating. They've given it enough time where they're abstained so they're no longer being having this illicit love affair with poisonous foods where they can't control it anymore. They learned how to they, – they don't have – they're not so attracted. So, it, you know, I've recognized over these last 30 years of being in practice that – Going away for a week to one of these places where you go to a health club or a health retreat, you do better, but pe most people go back and go to their way of eating. Right, when was they a, leave. That, was, that was their vacation. It was a vacation. Yeah, they go, right, they right. go back, they don't get any it's better. Not my life. And short term, <laughs> right, um, right. losing weight does you no benefit at all. So when people come to my retreat, it's different because let's say there's a patient, um, Nicole, who stayed there for six weeks and she lost 50 pounds while she was there. In the, six weeks? Yeah, the year wow. she, but then the year she went home, she lost 150 pounds. Wow. Because she knew what to do and she wouldn't think of doing anything differently once she left. She mm -hmm. felt so great at changing, and the fog lifted her. She was thinking more clearly. She's feeling better. The weight came off her. So it's just that whether a person has asthma, or psoriasis, or diabetes, or heart disease. The first time I opened, I had two men that came in with unstable angina. They were coming in with chest pains, even at rest, popping nitros. I said, you should be in the hospital, not here. But the right. point is, is that these people make radical recoveries, even within the first few weeks, their chest pains go away, their blood pressure normalizes. It's just utterly miraculous what the optimal food can do compared to drugs. It's a hundred times more effective, more therapeutically effective, but certainly a hundred times more preventative at future cardiac events or future, um, you know, tragedies happening to you when you actually remove the cause and get well and not cover up the symptoms with drugs. Imagine right. people like drugs are like permission slips. You know, I call it a prescription pad or permission slip. You have high blood pressure. You have high cholesterol. You have diabetes. You can still have it. I'll give you this. You give right? your doctor. Yeah, you yeah. go to the doctor. You get a drug to lower your blood sugar and lower your blood pressure. But you can still eat. And make, you can still eat junk food, processed foods. Right. You know, donuts, and your numbers look okay. It's just um, it's selling that person out. Mm -hmm. The only way they can really prevent heart disease is if they get rid of their high blood pressure, get rid of their diabetes, get rid of their excess weight, develop exercise tolerance. They have to earn good health. You're not protected unless you really have those normal, normal parameters without having them drugged into normal. They right. have to be earned into normal. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so talk about the program because one of the things that people typically say when um, – when they're on some kind of medication to, to, to kind of get, get permission slips to continue on their current 
trajectory. Um, or they say, you know, look, I'm going to lose weight, but like, you know, I'm busy right now. So if you go to one of your retreats, uh, in, in outside of San Diego, and you're going for four to 12 weeks, that, that person is not like unplugging from the world, right? They're still, you know, are they able to, to continue yeah, to can, work remotely? Yeah, they can work on the job? internet and they can work on it. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. But they're unplugging from the, from eating things that are harmful to their sure, body. Sure, you know, sure. And they're actually determining what they will like to eat because they're trying the best and see what they will enjoy eating. And they're learning how much to eat. And they're learning how to keep the weight loss going at at least two pounds per week. So they're supposed to be losing at least a pound every, every um, three days at least minimum of two pounds a week. Most people, the minimum of three pounds a week of weight loss the first month and a minimum of two pounds a week thereafter. So when we, when a person leaves us, they have the skills to maintain the weight loss at two pounds a week when they go home. And if they don't, they're off the program. Because the, what I'm saying is when you're a Nutritarian, when you're on this program, you're either at your ideal weight or you're losing weight at least two pounds a kilogram a week or two pounds a week. Because that's what the diet, the proper diet does for people. And you know that fat on the body is cancer promoting. It produces cytokines, lipokines. It raises aromatase production, which is the production of estrogen, which right. increasing risks, risks of prostate and breast cancer. It causes the, these um, metabolic parameters to allow cellular replication. It's fat. There's no such thing as a healthy, overweight person. But I'm <laughs> say, what I'm saying right now is the biological measurements and inflammatory um, substances that promote cancer start to heal and go away as people are still overweight as long as they're dropping weight at two pounds a week. So once we flood the body with nutrients and they're losing weight, they're getting a lot of phytonutrients and antioxidants and they're on this high. So we're talking here about moderate caloric restriction in the context of micronutrient excellence while they're having lots of vegetables from the, from the gardens and from the you know, mm-hmm. incredible soil. They're having a very high nutrient diet and they're eat, they, the, micronu- the high levels of micronutrients and fiber naturally suppress the appetite. And mm-hmm. when they start to lower the level of metabolic waste products, they're not tired and fatigued all the time. They don't need to eat as many calories. They start to desire less calories automatically mm-hmm. and be in touch with the amount of calories they should be eating. And as their taste buds are improving, and then so everything comes together. You know, we don't see obese squirrels, deer. I was going to mention that. You know, and, and, um, I know. I and coyotes in the woods. The you know what kingdom. I mean? Yeah, well, if you're slow, you're probably not going to um, be, be around for the next lion invasion either, right? <laughs> so you better, be, better stay in shape because it's life or death. But it's actually life or death here as well. And, you know, people don't necessarily realize what they're doing to themselves until, you know, sometimes it's too late and they're yeah, gotten to a point psychologically where they look at the mirror and they're like, why? Well, I, I don't think anything's going to fix this. Well, you know that um, processed foods, commercial baked goods and fast foods make people depressed about doubles the risk of developing major depression with just two servings a week. But those, but the majority of people who are not depressed are dysthymic. In other words, these foods make you less excited about life. It lowers your intelligence, your creativity, your enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And people who are really food addicts, they, have, they come up with excuses why they can't change because the addictive self is self-delusional mm. and comes up with rationalizations why it's hard for them to change. So we're doing the opposite. We're trying to give people the, to say there's no reason you can't get well from your problems right now. We've taken away all the obstacles for you. And we're going to make, and if you really want to get well, we'll show you how to do it, make it, eat, make it possible for you. You know, same thing with people coming off alcohol, cocaine, at tobacco, it's the same thing. We have to, um, we, we use prof- professional help to make sure they can get off these things if they want to. Right, right. So as you look at, um, you're, for, you're from the area here, so you've seen health clubs, you know, since the 70s, you know, pop up on every 
street corner. One of the you know things that health clubs have never been good at is is either giving people meal plans, nutritional advice. Um, you know, almost like you know, Planet Fitness as an example. This will probably bother you if you don't know this, but they have Tootsie Rolls at the front desk, and they do like a pizza night every like Friday or something. So it's like, okay, I want to give you a fitness. But if you read their research reports on the public company, they never mention the word results, except for the profitability of a franchisee. So, you know, as you look and say, okay, like you've got an opportunity here. We've got all the scientific data. We've got all the marketing materials. Like we've got all the solutions. How do we turn this into a a mass movement that it should be? I, you know, that's the holy grail, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> just like I'm thinking, I don't know. If it's it's the role of the health exercise clubs to be be the moderator of people's nutrition. I'm not sure about the answer to that. Okay, I mean, but but I, I think it should be something. The public health message. It should be, uh, you know, um, it should be in our school systems. It should be everybody should know about this. That um, that heart disease, diabetes, dementia, and cancer are created by the American diet and this fast food nation. I wrote a book called Fast Food Genocide. Mm -hmm. And we've exported this way of life to other countries. And their cancer rates have gone up by 50-fold as they've adopted the American way of life, showing that, you know, that... And even in our country today, we have five-fold difference in cancer incidences from one city to the next based on what they eat. And this idea that we're not... So the point I'm making is that we are in control of our health destiny. And we are essentially what we eat and, you know, we've, the, we have the answer. The answer is, really, the answer is vegetables, obviously. Vegetables right. are, are the most protective food against heart disease and cancer and strokes. Mm-hmm. And that means eating a mixture of both raw vegetables and cooked vegetables. So having a big salad every day is an essential. So do you eat a big salad every day at once a day? If you don't, you're not following modern nutritional science, you know? Mm-hmm. Do, do you have... I eat a uh, lot of vegetables, that's personally. Great. Yeah. And then I have this... Acronym. Not as much salad, though. And then I have an acronym called G-BOMBS. And the G-bombs, G-B-O-M-B-S, G-bombs, stands for greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds, which identify those particular foods with the most scientific support to slow aging and extend lifespan and prevent cancer. Let's go through those again. Sure. Greens, meaning green, like green cruciferous vegetables, like kale and broccoli, cabbage. G-B, beans. Beans are associated with longer lifespan and all blue zones and all studies on preventing cancer, modern common cancers. And they're, they're the most... They're the most glycemically favorable high-carbohydrate food hmm. because they have slowly digestible starches and resistant starches that are broken down by bacteria in, the, bacteria in the gut, which makes all their calories not biologically accessible. And the calories that do come in are very slowly absorbed not to raise insulin. And then onions and mushrooms, of course. Mm-hmm. Onions are, are very powerfully anti-cancer food and um, full of organosulfide compounds. And then mushrooms have angiogenesis inhibitors, which prevent the growth of cancers, and have aromatase inhibitors, which prevent estrogen-stimulating breast and prostate tissue, mm. very powerfully against cancer. Mushrooms, onions, berries have, have very powerful polyphenols and anthocyanins and have very powerful anti-cancer effects, low glycemic as well. Mm-hmm. And seeds, like flax seeds, chia seeds, sesame seeds, full of um, tocopherols and, and tocotrienols, but especially lignans, that have enterolignin effects when they're bi- when they're degenerated by bacteria in the gut, which prevent ester- which lower estrogen in the body. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying right now too is that the wrong diet, with being overweight, with glycemic carbohydrates, especially in conjunction with animal a lot of animal protein, high glycemic carbohydrates with animal protein, like hamburgers, pizza, macaroni and cheese, these things Americans eat, they drive up insulin, mm-hmm. they drive up IGF-1. That's the sandwich moat cancer, and in with that. 
without the phytochemicals and antioxidants in colorful plants, then you just become, your body just deteriorates and ages very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And I always say the American diet couldn't be better designed to cause cancer had it been designed by Al Qaeda. <laughs> you know, it's just a, as a matter of fact, I said it on public television and they, they dubbed me out. And they said... In, You're not going to get dubbed here. You're good. Yeah, on the, this is a safe place for you to talk freely. <laughs> on, on TV, it said, it said, just so you know, it wasn't me saying this. They, it said, this diet, meaning the American diet, has been designed by, instead of, El I said Al-Qaeda, and they said, Darth Vader. They, they said, Darth Vader. <laughs> Everyone can relate to, to, to the Death Star, right? Everyone can do that. I don't know why they did that, though. It wasn't even that funny, you know. I, it's like watching a funny movie on like TBS on a Sunday night or something where they bleep out like the best parts of the, yeah, exactly. the movie, like Breakfast Club or something like that. Um, so we, when you look at, uh, you know, everything that you're doing and, and, and the proliferation of people better understanding what they're eating, you know, hopefully earlier on in life, right. that what do you view the role of government to play? Do you believe in, you know, prohibiting like what Bloomberg was doing, prohibiting the size of sugar water and, and, and sodas, do you say, um, you know, put, put a, a cap on, you know, like, look, they put it, they put a cap on emissions, right. On gas, well, they put a cap on sure. cars. Like, do you put a cap on M&Ms? Well, one thing we know now is that the subsidies given to farmers promote the growth of corn syrup, what's called GMO corn, wheat, oil, soybean oil. In other words, we don't give a, a, a benefit to vegetable growers and, and fresh fruit growers and organic farmers. The, the benefits all go to people making processed foods and junk food for the fast food industry and the meat industry. So it keeps meat and butter and fast food cheaper. So we subsidize the wrong things. I, if, you're gonna mm. sub, if you're not going to subsidize the right things for people's health, then why subsidize anything? It's all based on politics, money, political influence, drug companies, you know, mm -hmm. food industry. And so it's all based on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then the second thing, question about Bloomberg and, and you know, restricting the size of sodas and not letting people smoke in public places, all these things. Let me just say one thing. Even though his ideas got voted down by the legislature, the publicity they got about sugar and about sure, uh, yeah. had an effect on New Yorkers. So when scientists look at the lifespan and health of New Yorkers, they improved radically as a result of Bloomberg's Time, time here, because people were talking about it and thinking about it, even though it didn't pass. Right, so right, it, right. It, people stopped, started drinking less soda. The soda consumption went down in New York. Right. Even Do they still sell a big gulp? I hope they don't. I don't know. Seven Eleven. That was a disaster. And he also he also <laughs> allowed for people to get use um, food stamps at the food, to get fruit and vegetable vendors on the yeah. street corners. Uh -huh. he, he, he gave more incentives to build supermarkets in poorer areas to have more produce come to people where there wasn't just in the food mm -hmm. deserts. So Bloomberg did have a tremendous positive effect on the health of New Yorkers. Hmm. So you can't, the outcome was positive. Whatever right. the people think so about. So I lost it, the legislation, but I won the, the, the minds. He won a lot the of hearts the, and minds. He and, won the hearts and minds. Yeah, he had yeah. an effect in people. New Yorkers as a result hmm. of his tenure were living longer. That's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so from a standpoint of, of um, you know, where you view the, the, the best use of, of whether it's public funds or private funds, would you go into the elementary schools? Would you go into the high schools? Would you try and fix people that have already kind of gotten over the hurdle? Obviously, we want to help everyone. But, like, where, where would you start? You know, where, where would you start? Oh, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Okay. I think that we have to um, – there has to be public service announcements. We need celebrities and athletes to be talking about good nutrition, that, that they shouldn't be able to be talking about things that the drug – the food industries shouldn't be putting milk mustaches on athletes. They shouldn't be – the food industry should not be allowed to pay off athletes. Well, I, don't, I don't understand how Dr. Pepper is like the drink of the NFL. Yeah, like I mean, that's it's, just, it shouldn't have. The athletes crazy. and the celebrities should be, uh, should be really – 
cultivated to advocate healthy eating and promote Right. long living and good health. And then, of course, the government should be putting out public service messages about that as well. And then, of course, we should be teaching education in the schoolrooms, um, nutritional information to ch children, how dangerous it is to eat like other Americans eat and how deadly the American diet is, especially um, processed foods and fried foods and barbecue and things like that. Because right now we have a social connectivity in sharing junk food and self-destructive behavior, whereas it's as almost if the socially accepted recreation in our society has now become snorting cocaine together as a, as a country. But instead, it's become barbecuing and eating hot dogs and mm -hmm. eating ice cream and having, in other words, destroying our health with addictive and dangerous foods becomes, becomes the nation's pastime, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So where do you see a silver lining? Or, what, you know, obviously you've got outcomes of people that come to San Diego, D.C., you know, certain groups that have you know, either done things from an innovative standpoint or, you know, in addition to Bloomberg, oh, sure. where you say, like, look, here's like a microcosm of like what people are doing. All That's interesting. Absolutely. And as you know, I'm the president of the Nutritional Research Foundation. Right. We have we raise money to do research and we have we have a study going on it in Arizona. We have twenty five hundred women on a nutritarian diet showing to prevent breast cancer. So it's exciting for me. I love doing stuff like that. So, you know, we I publish data on people reversing disease to show mm -hmm. people they can get well through nutrition. And I write books, you know, but um, so I'm having a great time. I'm, ex I'm excited about what I do, but I want other people to be doing, you know, I always say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, mm -hmm. and then you get a lot of reward from encouraging other and motivating other people to do better and better take, care of better take better care of their health. So I think that every person is an ally that I can get them to be in better mm -hmm. health themselves, and then they can be a role model to help other people be in better health. This is a fun thing to do. It makes you feel good. Yeah, you know? sure. Well, well, I haven't been... Um I haven't, I haven't got any issues um, or been attacks on the healthcare system. Um, when you take a look at the money that's spent on healthcare versus the money that could be spent on prevention, you know, do, do you view a world where maybe you get some kind of subsidy or credit for like the type of grocery bill you have, or you know, there's subsidies for buying vegetables instead of subsidizing the uh, the, the farmer with the corn corn syrup? Why don't we subsidize? You know, the person that's making that purchase and just give them a direct deposit, you know, based on what their, their bill is. You know, I was a consultant to Whole Foods Market, and they do that for their employees right now. Okay. If, you have a, if you've achieved a normal blood pressure, normal body weight, and have done things, you get, a, you get more discount on your – you get a card that gives you a bigger discount on your food. You get to get, get things cheaper. Hmm. You know I mean? So, would, yeah, I think that people should encourage to take better care of the health. Can you imagine? Because we're never going to legislate better health and lower health care costs in Washington. It has to be people giving better health habits. We have an increasing need for medical care. It keeps going up. It's not going to go down mm -hmm. because people are getting sicker and more overweight. The only way you can get it to go down is if people change their behaviors. And, and so we can't, it's not a question of who has access to it. Access to medical care doesn't, make you, doesn't give you better health. But in any case, if the country started eating, a, you know, making a vegetable bean soup on the weekend and having a salad and a vegetable bean soup and a piece of fruit for dessert, for dessert if they have everybody ate a, lunch, a healthy lunch of a salad, a vegetable, a vegetable bean soup and a piece of fruit, you'd mm -hmm. probably reduce health care costs in the country by 50%. That's unbelievable. You know, so it's just, it's just we're going, it's just insane. Mm -hmm. you know, the insanity, you know. That we've, there, there was an interesting company I met with um, in California that's called the, uh, the Camp Transformation Center. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's a it's a boot camp, weight loss boot camp, and what they do is they charge you six hundred ninety five dollars, and it's a uh, six week program. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the six weeks, if you've shown up for four days a week for the six weeks, they leave a check on the desk on your last day, and they give you your money back. And the reality is, no one takes the money. 
because everyone says, okay, look, you've changed my life. You know, I've lost typically anywhere. People lose anywhere between 20 to 24 pounds during that period of time. Um, and, and it, 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 pro- it proved to me that, okay, that's how long it takes for someone to change their habits. And then instead of actually taking the reward, you know, they, they end up turning it and saying, okay, look, let me parlay this into, uh, you know, a nutrition plan or, or a, a, a membership. So what, what do you see in your research? We find that it takes people three months of abstinence from their addictive triggers to really not crave them anymore. Wow. Okay. And that usually six weeks is not enough. And that usually they have to... So it's not just about... And it's also, it's not a boot camp of exercise because people gain the weight back. They can't maintain that exercise for the rest of their life. We, we want them to make changes they can maintain for the rest of their life. So it has to be about... You lose weight because you eat to prevent cancer, eat to prevent strokes and dementia. You've made changes you're going to adhere to for the rest of your life. So it's inherently about learning how to make healthy food and make high can- anti-cancer foods taste great and mm-hmm. get into an eating pattern that you're going to stick with forever. Because the weight you lose temporarily actually um, makes, puts you in worse health. If you lose the weight and gain it back again, you're worse than never having lost it. Yo-yoing your weight is dangerous. We want people to make permanent changes to their life. So mm-hmm. we want them to understand the science behind what they're doing. Be, they've got to become a personal expert in nutritional science and know why they're eating this way. They've got to love it now and learn to how to make great tasting recipes from these foods. And they've got to make the changes they're going to stick with forever. And it takes time. It takes a lot of information, a lot of education, a lot of hand-holding. We have psychological counselings that are psychologists, psychologists at our center working with people's um, need to use food as a crutch and emotional eating. But, but um, you know, look, I'm not saying that, that um, the majority of people need to come into a center like that. The majority of people can do this from reading one of my books, yeah, sure, reading, sure. watch some videos. And most people aren't going to come into an expensive place and stay there for months. And I understand the limitation of that, that mm-hmm. model. But I'm saying for these people that are so severely addicted and they need that, that's available. But most people can study this information if they have the support and they get support on the internet, get support and grin. We have you know, meetups and groups and, and vacations and things going on. They can learn this information, they can study it and become and, and develop the expertise so they can take care of their self and take care of their families. And there's enough people doing it today where they can get support to help them not feeling they're doing this alone. And at my website, we actually have groups and um, forums and people can ask questions and communicate and set up meetings and forums. You know, so you're not doing this alone. Now, sure, it helps if you had um, you know, all the gyms doing it too in a lot of areas. But the more connection people have to mm-hmm. other people doing this as well, the easier it is for them. So there's a lot of ways that people can do this and a lot of ways they can learn it. And I just want to make sure that I'm, um, I'm clear in that people have the hope and the information that they don't have to be sick and they don't have to stay sick the rest of their life because that's mm-hmm. my biggest gripe with physicians is people come to them sick and they are, now they're given, told them they have to take drugs for the rest of their life right. and, stay stick, and stay sick forever mm-hmm. and take drugs forever. And my message is don't believe that you know, right. nonsense. You don't have to be sick and you can, don't have to be overweight and you don't have to be, have high blood pressure and high cholesterol and diabetes and asthma that you can get totally well if you choose to be. Mm-hmm. And I can remember so many people with like lupus or arthritis coming to me and saying, I'll eat sawdust to get well. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be sick anymore. Right. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And they're so angry that nobody told them they could have gotten well. And that's my biggest peeve that nobody even told them they had an opportunity, they had the chance to get well. Yeah, I mean, one of the areas, you know, is definitely how do you get these doctors to promote or how does capital go towards promoting or rewarding prevention? Or how how does a doctor maybe make more money if they put somebody on a (laughs) G-bomb diet and and actually don't prescribe them? Like, is there a benefit to to that? I feel like the, the capitalist system 
you know, is kind of interwoven with yes. negative options. Yeah, the doctors are in a rush. They can't spend time with people. They're not going to teach them about nutrition in a 15-minute visit. It doesn't work. The model mm-hmm. doesn't work. But the model that a lot of new lifestyle medicine doctors are using today is they bring people in the practice into groups. Like, mm-hmm. they'll have a, on Wednesday night, they'll have a lecture for diabetics, and the local diabetics will come in. They'll pay a copay, and they'll pay their short-term visit charge, and that's where a doctor can make it financially viable to them okay. to see all people in groups and start becoming nutritional educators. That's interesting. So in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, who now has a board certification exam, mm-hmm. um, when those doctors are surveyed for whose books they read the most or recommend to their patients the most, that's one of the things I'm most proud of, is that my books have been the ones that these physicians use the most to recommend to their patients who want to use lifestyle medicine to get well. Got it. So um, a- after this podcast, I'm going to uh, download one of your books. Wh- which one do you recommend I I start with, eating uh, the, the, the end of heart disease? Wh- which uh, well, which one should be my primer? If you were overweight and had trouble staying on a diet, I would recommend the end of dieting. Okay. If you had heart disease or diabetes, then you would just get the end of diabetes or the end of heart disease. But a good basic book for people, for like you who don't have any medical, is Super Immunity. Super Immunity. Yeah, just to live longer, be it's healthy, be my and new stay nickname. well. I want super to be, Immunity. That's get a super, cape. Yeah. Be Mr. Super Immunity. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so in, in in closing here, what what do you um, what do you recommend for our Listeners, which are, are typically, you know, multi-unit operators of, uh, you know, health and, and fitness exercise establishments, should they be doing outreach and find local doctors that, that you know, live this, this lifestyle, nah. you know, recommend some of this content, direct them to your website and just say, hey, look, here's, here's how we're going to help you you're, get your people, you know, healthier and then they're going to stay on their membership because they're, you know, everyone, everyone wins in that. Right. I don't think you should be directing the doctors. Docs, doctors shouldn't be the control gate for nutritional information at all. It's like directing to your lawyer or your electrician or your mailman. Why would it be a doctor? You know, they're, they're experts in medicines and things and surgeries. So. Yeah. But in any case, they should have videos about nutrition running. They should be able, they should have um, books available for sale and they should have su- um, supportive posters and information that support people with motivational things around the, around the gym that say, you know, did you have your salad today? You know, mm-hmm. here's, and here's a great salad dressing made from sesame seeds and oranges with some blood orange vinegar to makes it taste great. You know, mm. or never or something, you know, stop eating ice cream. Here's a great ice cream recipe with frozen banana, macadamia nuts, and real vanilla bean powder that tastes better. It doesn't kill you with chemicals and sugar. You know, so they should be doing things and just putting up good notices, mm-hmm. good posters, good motivationals, having some meetups and, and fun things around good nutrition and valuing some books and stuff of, and, and maybe some videos available that they, make, that they can make some extra money on while they're selling them and promoting them. But it all should be a positive experience experience of promoting an, a, a feeling of good health and empowerment and wanting their, their customers to have, have great outcomes. Mm-hmm. So from a standpoint of uh, eating well versus uh, exercise, what, what would you say, like they say, like in basketball, like, you know, 90% of rebounding is, is hustle and 10% skill. So how do you, how do you kind of handicap like 90, 10 is probably 90, 10. Okay. It's probably good because look, people who are overweight and sickly, they don't feel like exercising. They right. can't exercise much. Most of the people I see tell them to exercise. In other words, but once I get them healthy and they drop 50 pounds, right. you can't control that. They want to exercise. And some of them want to, they start running marathons. I say, stop, don't run marathons. You know, it's like it's too much <laughs> exercise at 80 years old. You know? <laughs> yeah, so it's, so, but then we all feel like exercising. Right. You know, that's great. Well, thanks for being on the show. This has been a great educational session for, for me and for my colleagues here as well. So I think the audience will really appreciate this. And I think 
you know, people need to understand that this is the foundation to everything that's causing issues in this country and, and nutrition and food is, is the fuel that drives us and we got to fix the fuel. So absolutely. Thanks for everything you're doing and, uh, and, and appreciate you being on. My pleasure. Thanks. 